friends, and welcome to the next episode of Roswell. We're very excited to have you. We hope you've had a wonderful Christmas and are getting ready for New Year's. I'm hurrying to put this together because everyone's downstairs without me watching the behind the scenes of Lord of the Rings, which doesn't sound exciting, but is super fascinating and super, I'm going to say overwhelming with the thousands and thousands of hours that went into like every handcrafted piece of, you know, props and costumes and set design and everything. And it's just blowing my mind. So I'm going to get this up so that I can go back down and join everybody and just sit and enjoy all the nerdery that is in this house. Anyways, without further ado, here's Roswell. Roswell things to talk to you about before we get into the episode. I'm ready. The Tell first me. one is incest. What? Not really. We were sent a, a news article by our other sister, and apparently the actor who plays Max and the actress who plays Isabel were dating while they were filming Roswell. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. What? How is this news to you? You were in the group chat where we talked about this. I I know. I'm saying, no. When Mikkel sent that, I had never heard that before. Oh, okay. I was like, you were there. I saw you reply <laughs> to the message. <laughs> Second thing is, Emily, I might yes. have seen a spoiler No, on don't Twitter. say you saw a spoiler. No, don't say you saw a spoiler on Twitter. Megan! I don't know if it was a spoiler or not because uh somebody i follow shall remain nameless to prevent emily's wrath uh was complaining about the thumbnail that they're using for roswell on hulu and i remember i've been guessing who that girl is in the photo who's center and this girl's like i can't believe they're using a season three thumbnail for this also, that doesn't look like Isabel at all. And I was like, it really doesn't. So, does Katherine Heigl leave and they replace her with another actress and just call it shape-shifting? Or is that Katherine Heigl as a brunette <laughs> that's just been super duper airbrushed? Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. It's definitely Katherine Heigl. It's a terrible picture of her. It is. It doesn't look anything like her. All right. Then the third piece of news. Dang it. I have been waiting and waiting and waiting for us to get through the whole the whole series. And you'd be like, wait a minute. Who's that person? All right. And then thirdly, hey, y'all, I'm going through some hard dental times right now. Oh, yeah. And I went to a new dentist to take care of How is this related to stuff? Roswell? Well, I'm lying in the chair and I'm waiting for the dentist to come in and they're playing, you know, nice soft 90s radio. And this song starts coming over the speakers. Oh, I am what I am. I do what I want. But I... And I'm just lying in the chair being like, I wonder if I'm the only person here who knows this is the Roswell theme song. <laughs> So 
so I just, I, cause the, the dentist, she was out of the room doing other stuff. And so I was just waiting in the chair for her. And I just sat there and I listened to the whole song and I was like, still can't understand these lyrics, but I, there you go. There are my three pieces of Roswell news that happened to me between our last recordings. That is hilarious, Megan. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. <laughs> no, copper said. Okay, you guys, guess what I did today before we get into Roswell. Oh, it's sad. This has nothing to do with Roswell. I apologize. My dog suddenly, he's an older dog, suddenly decides he doesn't want to walk upstairs. <laughs> Any stairs. He's not stairs at work, not stairs here, not inside, not outside. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, he's just getting older and I just have to accept this and blah, blah, blah. And I called his vet and his vet was like, oh, great. Yeah, we can get you in for an appointment. Our soonest available appointment is in November. It's September 12th, y'all. And I'm just like, no, 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 this isn't going to fly. Because, you know, me, I'm just like, ah, something's wrong. So I take him to the emergency vet, uh-huh. which, you know, is not cheap. And the vet's like, well, I explained what's going on. He's like, let me see him walk around. So I put him down and he's walking around and, and I'm like, he's eating fine. Like everything's good. Just he won't walk upstairs. And the vet goes, oh, is he jumping at all or leaping, getting on and off stuff? And at that moment, Copper takes the opportunity to do a running leap into my arms and the vet and I look at each other and he goes, I think he's fine. <laughs> That's always Hot so embarrassing dog. to be like, I think there's a huge problem. And the vet to be like, no, you're just, you're, you're, you're just too- paranoid. Yeah. Paranoid. That's, that's a good one. Anyways, paranoid, like alien hunters. Oh my gosh. Inappropriate. <laughs> so I want to say at the end of this episode, Emily was like, what's going to happen after this? How are they going to cover this up? How are they going to do this and this and this? And I'm like, I don't know. You've seen it. And she goes, no, I haven't. Which reminds me that yet again, Emily hasn't watched this television show. I have watched the middle bits and the middle bits <laughs> I Oh, I was like, oh, wow, are we going to get a, a recurring character in this guy? And he's going to be part of the bigger mystery. And no, we had a a one-off guy who was shot and killed by the sheriff extrajudiciously. Because <laughs> Sheriff Valenti is, again, the worst. Even when he's on our side, he's somehow the worst. But at least this week, Max got to give him a piece of his <laughs> mind. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to start this off right, and my name is Emily, and my book submission is due, but I might not have to turn in a book. Uh, my name is Megan. I listened to the entirety of the Magnus Archives in a week, and so now I'm doing little fan art storyboards of it this evening when we're done podcasting. (laughs) At least I'm starting one. Listen, you guys, I say little fan art. The audio cut I have for it is seven minutes long. <laughs> it's too long. Your or, heart's in the right place. In the words of Pirates of the Caribbean. Too long! <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I uh, I haven't been getting a lot of notes or notifications on any of my internet art lately. 
and I posted a drawing for the Magnus archives and got like 200 notes on it instantly. And so my brain's like, oh, we can get serotonin from this. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to My Sister Made Me View It. Today we're going to talk about Roswell Season 1, Episode 13, The Convention. <laughs> I I had a lot of fun this episode. I would say this is the one I've actually enjoyed the most since we started. Uh, helped in no small part by the appearance of Mr. Jonathan Brakes. <laughs> what character was he playing, Megan? He was playing Mr. Jonathan Brakes. <laughs> <laughs> but like the horrible version. <laughs> it was it was it was delightful. I want to know how much he based his performance on real things that have happened to him, experiences that he's gone through because <laughs> it, it felt like you could tell he was having enormous fun with this episode. Um but there's some stuff that probably hit really close to home for him. So, uh, this episode, the convention, there is an actual alien convention at the crashdown, and it's like the tenth annual, and it's like a big deal. They got Jonathan like the whole town to is come. Into it. Yeah. Although I wonder why they don't uh, coordinate this convention to overlap with the crashdown festival. Well, Meg. A small town that depends on tourism, you can't have multiple events at once because then you've got dry spells for the rest of the year and people have got to make a living like the DeLucas. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Maria's mom invested half of her yearly budget into one event here. And I was like, that's a lot of money. And <laughs> thankfully... Michael saved the day. Michael was our MVP character of the week. Yes, I give uh, Michael the MVA award, most valuable alien. <laughs> <laughs> so, the convention, like Meg says, everybody's in town. They've got Frakes there, who Max is, poor Max, uh, it starts off with... He's inside an alien costume, this hot latex rubber costume at okay. the beginning of the episode. Listen, someone asked me literally two days ago, don't they have fans inside those suits? And I can tell you from personal, deeply personal experience, no character performers have fans inside their suits. <laughs> That's... A very, like, okay, so I, I get why people think that is because people get in these inflatable sumo suits or, like, mm -hmm. inflatable minion suits. But if you notice, if you're in an inflatable suit, you hear fan go, <laughs> And when you hug Winnie the Pooh, you don't hear any, unless, you know, his, <laughs> his tummy's grumbling because he needs honey. But let me tell you, it can get up to... 120 degrees inside of a suit it's real sweaty so there's a moment <laughs> where max took the head off of his alien suit and i go that is accuracy <laughs> he looks miserable but he's there to promote the convention and 
everybody is there in town. Everybody. Michael, Isabel, Alex, Maria. Um, Liz is out working, and Max knows this because he's watching her. And every time he lays eyes on her, the world stops, and everything goes in slow motion. And he really misses this girl that he broke up with for no good reason. (laughs) Um, Also, something that was pretty funny to me is the first time, the first time we see that him staring at Liz, it's when he's in the alien costume and they play it creepy. Like they put creepy music over it and like use a different like longer telephoto lens on the camera to make Liz look like she's being spied on. And I'm like, it's it's Max though. What is it is it creepy that Max is watching her? Yes, <laughs> it is because he broke up with her and she doesn't know he's watching her to focus on mud. Oh yeah, cuz we talked about <laughs> in an earlier episode where if the other person knows that you're watching, it's not creepy. I mean, unless yeah. they've told you that it's creepy, but yeah. Yeah. So, Max is understandably, well, I don't think understandable. Well, anyways, Max is still upset that he's broken up with this girl and can't be with her, even though that's what he wants. And so he goes to Michael to ask for relationship advice. Why Michael? This bastion of successful relationships. (laughs) Michael has successfully broken things off with Maria. I think in a previous episode, like the dialogue... Uh, the dialogue Michael and Maria have are is Michael saying, I have to be a stone wall or a brick wall. I can't have any attachments. That's just how I roll. And so for whatever reason, when Max asks Michael for relationship advice, what should I do? And Michael says, I just think about mud. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. But anytime Max lays eyes on Liz the entire episode. Everything just goes all dreamy and slow-mo, and he just has to say, like, mud out loud. And even uh, later, when Maria tries to kiss Michael, he says mud. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, why do I even bother? Yeah, yeah. Okay, what's so funny is Liz uh, Liz comes up to Max the first time, warning him about what we're going to talk about next, but warning him about something serious. And she shows up and she's like, serious, 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 serious. And then we cut into his head and it's like, soft kisses on a summer's day. And then at the end of it, he just goes, mud, pie. And she's like, what? (laughs) He's like, oh, you having a stroke? (laughs) I'm mud pie for my order. Okay, bye, Liz, bye. And then he just leaves. (laughs) This convention has attracted a lot of attention because it's the 10th anniversary. Like I said, Jonathan Frakes is there. I think they name drop Shatner and Picard and Nimoy are supposed to also be there. Uh, So here's the thing, Emily. You just named two real people and one fictional character. (laughs) No, I I did. Oh, no. Oh, no. Stuart, oh, sorry, Shatner, Shatner and, and Stuart. Stuart and Nimoy. <laughs> but yeah, they say Trek stuff. They're throwing up the Vulcan salute, the live long and prosper. And I was like, is this allowed? <laughs> they use everyone's real names. I don't think they ever used any copyright character names. I did. That was on me. So yeah, I had a great time. Uh, hey, so those of you listening to this in the future, uh last week was 
no, this week was Star Trek Day, celebrating the 55th anniversary of the very first episode of Star Trek. And so I've had a really great week on the internet, personally, because I'm currently working on Star Trek. And season two is Not airing as a personal now, project, as your real job. As my actual real job. And my episodes are airing right now, which is really fun to be working on a show while it's airing, because, like, a lot of times you work on a show and then it airs, you know, when you're, like, after you're done. Because as a storyboard artist, I'm on, I'm on the front end of it. But um, season three is in production right now, so it's really fun because season two is airing while we're working on season three. So, Meg, I need you to tell everybody why you were so nervous for your first gig on Star Trek. So my very first episode of Star Trek was season two, episode two. I'm trying to remember the title. It's not called The Collector. It's not called... I'm just thinking because five just came out, An Embarrassment of Dupler. So just a second. Oh, yeah. So uh, it was called Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. And this was great for two reasons. One, Darmok is one of my favorite TNG episodes, and this is the episode that introduced Lieutenant Kayshawn, and also I had a scene in Riker's ready room at the end, and I got to storyboard Jonathan Frakes' character, and it was cool, except I had a bunch of stage fright, and it was really hard, so shout out to my director, Kim Arndt, who was very supportive and definitely helped out especially with like the layout and the background stuff. But uh, I'm really proud of that little scene. I get to put Riker's leg way up on a bench and have him do a lean. I was like, can we put a chair over there so he can swing his leg over the chair? And she's like, no. And I'm like, that's fair, Kim. That's a good move. You're a good director. But <laughs> there you go. So I have got to work on a Star Trek scene with Riker. So when he showed up in Roswell, I was like, ah! That's my coworker. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> All right. So one of the other special guests at this convention is an alien hunter with a last name of Hubble. And, and I was like, like the telescope. And he shows up and he has history with the... Uh, UFO center guy, and with Sheriff Valenti. Sheriff Sharif. <laughs> Sheriff Sharif is not happy this guy is in town and goes so far as to threaten him and tells him to get out of town. Get out of my town. Um, and I thought this episode was set up, because I know we've complained about episode setups in the past. I thought they did a superb job dropping little bits of information through the whole thing and we never got yeah. info dumped at all. Mm -hmm. uh, except for when the guy very first showed up. <laughs> he's in Sheriff Valenti's office and he's like, ah, oh, it's been a long time, Junior, since you and I worked together. I see that you have a son now. I never did have any children myself because I have been a detective only hunting aliens this whole time. Unlike you. And so there was a little bit at the beginning, but I get we have to do that to, like, introduce this character and what they're all about. And everyone wants him to be on this panel, and he's like, no, I do. I, I'm all about action. I don't, I don't talk about stuff. And so everyone's really disappointed that he's not going to be there talking. Who else shows up into town, Megan? Who who reappears? It's the tourists from the pilot. I was also excited for that. 
Larry and Jen, they are back. And Larry is, oh, what's the, what's the word? Not smooth. He's not smooth. He's not subtle at all because Liz sees them. And listen, she starts kind of having a mini flashback, sort of. I don't know. Yeah. I just I just realized at that point, like, she got shot. She went through a super traumatic experience. And having someone show up kind of under the same circumstances, I was yeah actually surprised that they didn't kind of play it more that she was having a hard time with all of this. Mm-hmm. But she, like, goes up to them. She's like, can I bring you to your table? You know, all of these things. And she's giving them the specials and... and Larry's just like, oh, oh, a beverage? What beverage should I order? How about alien encounter? (laughs) And Jenny is just like, oh, my land. And so he is there to find out what really happened that September. Like, he is there hunting for the truth. Back when it was September. (laughs) Um... Which is really fun because it's September right now. Emily, did you know in just a little over two weeks? No, in exactly two weeks, uh, we will be celebrating Crashdown Day. That's right. September 26th. That's a really, really great day in September. Really great day in September. (laughs) It's also... Oh, wait. I almost gave you a Stormlight Archive spoiler. (laughs) I'm so glad you stopped yourself. It's it's a fandom only holiday. It's the day a word of Brandon confirmed something. So yeah. Okay. I'm so glad I stopped me too. I'm like, it's the day we celebrate such and such piece of news. <laughs> One of the B plot lines of this I really loved because it's Liz becoming friends with Jennifer. This this woman who Larry had proposed to Right before the shooting had happened and they were supposed to go back to California and get married. And instead they've been on the road for like two years at this point, maybe a year. And she's just so sad about it. And Liz is like the person that she is like the shoulder that she can cry on. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought it was really, really sweet. And there's this, there's this scene that I loved so much. And it is all the women of Roswell together in the Crashdown Cafe with Alex in the middle being like, how, oh, what is the question that he asks? Do you remember? Uh, it was like, do women think men are obsessive? Because um, uh, Isabel has just accused him of being obsessed with her. And the, oh, that's right. the women of Roswell are like, absolutely. Yes, all men <laughs> obsessed <laughs> uh, with with their sports and with their alien hunts and like with all this stuff they're they're definitely obsessed there is no question they are they are and he's like is it possible for a man to be obsessed with a woman and they'll laugh at him (laughs) sad (laughs) it was just a fun little like the women had like this almost inside joke thing going on where they're all of them are chiming in and talking about stuff and alex is just sitting there going i'm sorry like probably thinking i'm sorry i brought this up But the A plot, the A mystery, A storyline, is something happened in 1972. What There was was a murder. A murder most foul. Yeah, there was a, well, it happened, the mystery goes from 1970 to 1972. And there was a murder, and we find out that Sheriff Valenti's father was accused 
of this murder that uh, it, it was of shooting a homeless man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was kind of the downfall of of Sheriff Valenti's father, and he ended up becoming committed because of it, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. But the more Sheriff Valenti digs into it, the more he realizes this Hubble alien hunter is tied into it. And so he starts trying to figure out what really happened that night and all of these all of these things that are going on. And we realize that Mr. Hubble is in town because he's kind of following up a lead from that night. Dun, dun, dun. And Mr. Hubble's curiosity is piqued because there is an open mic question and answer session. Uh, this whole episode goes through multiple days of the convention. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to a convention they are so much fun if it's something that you love. Like, if it's something that you're not interested in, you're just going to be bored of tears. But there's usually panels you can go to. Oh, I miss mic. PodCon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Life, the Universe, and Everything is coming up. This will oh, have yeah. already... This, it'll already probably have happened before we get this posted, but whatever. I'm, uh, I'm applied to be a panelist and presenter this year. So hopefully they will uh, accept my... Um, presentation submissions, and I get to, once again, just talk about what only I want to talk about, and then people just get to sit and listen to me for <laughs> an hour at a time. Like, I've been to a lot of writing conventions, uh, fantasy, sci-fi, all these fun things where you just get to be with people who have all the same interests as you, and you can just be kind of your true authentic self with all of these people who also like the same stuff you do, and... It's just really, really fun. I miss PodCon. I'm so sorry. Maybe maybe one day it will come back. I don't think so. Dang it. But I think I sorry. think PodCon is has gone the way of the world. There's no more. I'll never forget you, PodCon. I love you forever. <laughs> so Jonathan Frakes is hosting this open mic panel where people who have had experience with aliens can come forward and tell their story sort of a thing. And Larry jumps up and starts telling his story about something that happened right here in Roswell. I think he mentions the date. It's like September. He does. He's like, it, he mentioned it happened September 14th. So a week, okay. a week or so I thought passed. it was 17th. Maybe it was a 17th. It doesn't matter. I think you're matter. right. Okay. I think you're right, though. So if that matters to you, I think you are right. Oh, I'm going to leave that in the podcast. <laughs> and so he starts telling... The story of what happened, of the shooting, because he was there. And Michael has not threatened to kill anyone for the last few episodes. For a while. But he makes a beeline for this guy. And you can see in Max's face how worried he is about what Michael's going to do. Just kill a guy in front of everybody. He uses (laughs) his itch power. He stumbles past the guy and puts his hand on his you know, on his shoulder, and it starts to glow. And so as Larry is trying to tell this dramatic story, he's getting very distracted by all the itching that he's having to do all over his body. And he ends up getting a little confrontational with Mr. Frakes. And so Mr. Frakes calls for security, which happens to be the UFO center owner and Max. And they're dragging the guy away, and he's full-on conspiracy mode. Where's the bullet? Where's the bullet? Where's the bullet? So this is what gets Mr. Hubble interested in Max. Ugh. What? Nothing. I'm thinking about Mr. Hubble and how terrible he is. He really is. He's 
he's the kind of character where, I mean, Sheriff clearly wants him out of his town, and he tells him as much. We talked about that already. But when Mr. Hubble starts talking to the sheriff and he's like, I have the answers you've been waiting for your whole life. So yeah, you can kick me out of town or I can tell you what you want to know. I, it's a great storytelling thing. I'm saying personally, it makes me so mad to have someone hold that much power over the other characters. Yeah. Like I said, great storytelling thing, but I'm just like, ooh, ooh, this person knows that they are being a jerk about this and they are taking perverse pleasure in having the upper hand. Why can't we all just be reasonable together on this earth? Can't. Can't. Unacceptable. Can't. <laughs> so Sheriff has, you know, spoken with Mr. Hubble and he goes to talk to his dad who is very senile and very confused and is only kind of talking in nonsense phrases and words and things like that. And it's really, you can tell it's really hard on the sheriff. And I just felt really, I thought it was a very humanizing moment because yeah, we've had a lot of hard times with the sheriff and to see this other softer side of him, um, to see how multidimensional he is. I really, I really thought they'd done a good job with him trying to talk to his dad, trying to get some lucid moments from his dad about what happened that night and we come to find out that Sheriff Valenti's father was framed by Hubble. Oh, no. That Hubble was actually the one who committed the murder. These, these, listen, the police are very bad and accurate in this episode. But we have just two gunshot murders by police just happens. And everyone's like, oh, yep, this is how the problem should be solved. A lot of bad, lot of bad gun safety in this episode. Yes, yes, for sure. So, Sheriff Valenti is going after to try and find Mr. Hubble. Mr. Hubble, in the meantime, Max has been tasked with getting him on this panel. Because he wants to forget about Liz. He wants to throw himself into his work. And he goes and asks for more responsibility. <laughs> and so, he's tasked with trying to convince this very famous alien hunter to come be on this panel and suddenly the guy at first through the whole episode he's just like no I don't do that sort of thing no that's beneath me and suddenly he's like you know what you've convinced me but oh no my car is broken and I need my slides what am I going to do if you want me on the panel I don't see how this is going to work and Max is just so excited that he's going to be able to kind of save the presentation save everything goes i'll drive you so he leaves without telling anybody where he's going or who he's going with which is never a good idea especially because this is a minor inappropriate people should always know where you are use the buddy system max use the buddy system michael i think eventually gets wind of what's happening and he's actually following them but mr hubble is riding in max's open jeep and he starts telling a story very long story. A very long story. And as the story goes on, you can tell Max is just confused. Just really confused about what is going on. Because he's telling this story about, oh, it was an anniversary and my wife had a surprise for me and I had a surprise for her. And one thing led to another and they needed to stop somewhere. And and he just goes on and on and on. And eventually, you, 
I think the audience the audience realizes before Max that Mr. Hubble did run into an alien because throughout this whole episode <gasps> we've seen all these photographs. Oh, okay. sorry, go ahead. I don't think he ran into I don't think an alien killed his wife. You don't think so? No, I think someone else murdered his wife and the alien tried to heal her but was too late. Oh, interesting. That's my working theory. Uh, because Mr. Hubble has been hunting this person and he has all these photographs of people with silver handprints on their bodies. And that is what happened to Mr. Hubble's wife. And he has been chasing down this alien ever since. And it's really sad because he found out after his wife's autopsy that she was three months pregnant and that he was going to be a dad. And so this whole revenge thing took over his life and that's a all he's been doing. A party! <laughs> no! <laughs> a party that ends with somebody crushed and alone and tries to shoot a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> because he has been led to believe, because we find out that this alien has been shape-shifting throughout the years and he believes it's Max. And he has this teenager at this abandoned roadside gasoline station cafe in the middle of nowhere and has him at gunpoint and is telling him this story and is basically just saying you i know it was you you killed my wife and i'm here basically to take revenge and what i wanted max to do the whole time was to try and i know reason with him reason with him yeah say like my name is max evans i live at this place the names of my parents are these people I don't know that Mr. Hubble would have believed him, but I, I feel like that would have been a good direction for Max to have gone in. Did you know that is actually something you're supposed to do when you're face down with a gun? Okay, listen. I don't know if supposed to post, but I learned this from Grey's Anatomy. Because uh, <laughs> one of the characters is cornered at gunpoint, and she starts saying as many personal facts about herself as she can. You know, my name is April Kepner. I grew up on a farm in Iowa. Like, my mom's name is this. My dad's name is this. I have a sister. And and I, I just started working at this hospital. Obviously, she's, like, breaking down crying. But the gunman leaves her alone. And later, she tells somebody, she's like, I heard that. Is is You need to personalize yourself to them as much as you can. Aww. It's sad. That's but, what yeah. I wanted Max to do. I wanted to, him to personalize himself. Ironically, Max personalizes himself to Sheriff Valenti afterwards. <laughs> when the danger's over. But this, this guy is going to shoot him and basically complete his circle of revenge when Michael shows up and distracts him. Michael is throwing himself headfirst into danger to save his friend, Maximilian. I just, I loved this scene because Michael had a big uh, growth arc in this episode where he, remember how we said Amy DeLuca had thrown all this money into this um, event and her wrestler, there was going to be like a showdown. This wrestler was supposed to show up and he chickened out. And Michael overhears the phone call where she is just pleading with this this wrestler to please come because if he doesn't, you know, she's going to be broke. And Michael knows that this is the way that the way that Maria's mom like keeps a roof over their heads. So he goes and pretends to be the wrestler and takes the guy's place and loses, which I think he could have won. 
I also think he could have won. I mean, he's this boy's desperate to kill. He could have killed someone. <laughs> Finally, here, legally. So he, you know, helps out at the wrestling match. And then he goes after and helps out with a gunman situation to help his best friend. I just... I love Michael's loyalty. I love it. If you get Michael's loyalty, you have it for life because he doesn't give his loyalty out to really anyone. If only he could use some of that loyalty for himself. If only other people returned it. Just kidding. Maria tries. He doesn't let her. (laughs) Because he's an island. He's a stone wall. So he distracts the gunman. Mr. Hubble... You know, still has the gun. Max is wrestling with him. And Max uses his telekinetic powers to push the gun away Away. from them. And the guy freaks out. I knew it. I knew you were an alien. And he is renewed even more to kill (laughs) Max Evans. Because he just proved his whole point. But this is when the sheriff shows up. And has the gun trained on Mr. Hubble and is like, put the gun down. You know, this is, anyways, he is forced to shoot Mr. Hubble because the man will not put the gun down and has said he is going to kill this teenager. And I think this is the first time that the sheriff has done anything helpful. <laughs> yeah. And, and, well, I think this is the first time that the sheriff sees Max as a person. Like, period. Because, mm-hmm. um... Max is, okay, Max is mad at the sheriff because he's like, what did you tell him? You know, why did he come after me? Uh, oh, because yeah. the the sheriff did, like, sort of point this murderer the teenager's way. Um, and so Max is yelling at the sheriff. And the sheriff is like, now come on, son. And then Max screams, would you treat your son this way? And I, for the, like, Sheriff Valenti is finally like, oh, my gosh, am I the bad guy? <laughs> yes! <laughs> Max straight up tells him, you are supposed to be protecting me. Like, you're supposed to protect me. You're not supposed to just do it when you feel like it. It was a really cathartic scene where I think the sheriff has come to realize he has not been doing a good job. He's been very inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we have fun. Do have fun. But yeah, so there was... Michael, the MVP of the whole thing. And, oh, in closing, now guys, remember, I don't know what happens next. But Larry goes to the Crashdown Cafe to find Jennifer. Jennifer is currently working at the Crashdown Cafe. She's got the little alien headband on and the little alien um, apron. And he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, Liz needed help. And he tells her that he wants to settle down, he's ready to get married, and he wants to live in Roswell. And Liz is in the back looking on, being like, this is not good. (laughs) Although, I'm pretty excited, because I don't know if you remember, uh, I really wanted them to stay past the pilot, and they didn't. And now, they're back in town! (laughs) So I'm excited about that. There we go. Let's see. Let me find out what the name of the next episode is, and then you can guess what happens next. Uh, I think Isabel and Colin Hanks are both being, Alex, that's his character's name, are both being very mature because he's like, you know, giving her gifts. And he's like, we could just be friends. And, and she's like, hey, I need you to give me some space. And he does. 
I'm cheering for those two crazy kids. I literally don't care about any of the other pairings. <laughs> because he, like I said, he brought her a, a constellation book. Because I think they did stargaze in the previous one. So he is really trying to make an effort and not just expecting things to happen. He's really trying to make an effort. And she, yeah, they're both being very mature about it. So, uh, Megan. Yep. The next episode is called The Blind Date. <laughs> Okay, so if it's a blind date, that means people who don't know each other are going on the date. So either one of our already existing pairings is like, oh, I have to get out there. I have to meet someone new. And someone's like, oh, I can set you up with someone. And they end up getting set up with the person they're trying to avoid. Or a blind date, they end up getting set up with somebody else. Uh, I wonder if it's Maria's mom and the sheriff. (laughs) I'll put that down. Because Megan and I couldn't remember, but we thought they'd at least gone and gotten drinks. Oh, no, because remember? They had this whole conversation where she's like, why did you arrest me? And he's like, because I thought you were cute. Inappropriate use (laughs) of everything. (laughs) Anyway, Emily, at the end of the episode, you were asking me, how are the police, like, how are they going to explain this shooting? Oh, yeah. They do not have to explain it. Sheriff Valenti just shot a guy, and he's like, I have a code for, and I bet we're not going to hear about it anymore. Because I was just wondering the logistics, because, but I guess it makes sense, because no one knew Max had taken off with this dude. So that is kind of their saving grace, that Max's name is not attached. No one's going to connect the dots that way. Mm-hmm. 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 Hi... I'm going to go draw. I am going to go and try and work on my book. I believe in you. My future is up in the air a little bit. We'll talk about it later. But Megan, I also believe in you. (gasps) All right. Ready? Break. Thank you to everybody who has tuned in to listen to My Sister Made Me View at Roswell. We hope your holiday season has been going well and you're staying self... Whoa. You're staying self... Whoa. You're staying safe and healthy. Oh my gosh, you guys. I can't even tell you. It has been a week. Um, also, I need to let you know, I had to break my record. I finally had to get my first COVID test. In December 2021, I've held out this entire time and have not needed to go get a COVID test, but I did, and it's negative. Thank goodness it's just a stupid winter cold, which, you know, in this day and age, everyone looks at you like you're literally carrying the plague. So in happier news, if you want to hear more of My Sister Made Me View It, just tune in next week on, can you believe it, January the 6th, 2022. What? And guess what? If that is still not enough and you're just craving more of this banter back and forth between the two sisters, you can join us on January the 13th for our next Roswell episode. So we're just going to keep them coming and we hope you guys enjoy them. And you know, what would be a great way to start the new year is uh, maybe give us a little rating and review either in Spotify with a new feature, ha ha ha, or Apple, iTunes, iPodcast. Thank you to those of you who have already done that. You 
are our favorite people in the whole wide world, and we will love you forever. Catch us on our social media handle, Sis Made Me View It, on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. And of course, we can't leave without a special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, for our intro and exit music. That's all there is today, folks. Um, I hope your New Year's Eve parties slash New Year Day celebrations are fun and exciting and you are looking forward to the new year and all the cool stuff that's going to happen and just there's so much potential and I'm so excited. And listen, I don't do New Year's resolutions because I have a perfectionist streak and it's an all or nothing sort of thing. So I like to say, if you don't have it in you to do New Year's resolutions, that's fine. And if you decide in February you want to do a resolution or July or November, do your resolutions then. Like, do what works for you. And I hope you have a wonderful New Year. And I'm looking forward to doing more podcasts with you in the future in 2022. So go forth. Happy New Year's. And we believe in you. Mm-hmm.